This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Jets Grits Per 60 podcast. My name's Connor Farrell, you can call me TC. This is Draft Edition. I almost messed up the intro there, Brendan. How do you feel about that? We're already off to a great start. That voice you just heard is my brother who's joining us from Gainesville. Hey everyone, it's, it's Brendan, also known as TCJ. Uh, how are you? tired i think we're all tired we're recording this on a friday right before the nhl draft um these are the draft yeah. was tuesday yeah so this draft is friday, tuesday not be right before the draft yeah but i mean like it's kind of close-ish <laughs> but it'll, 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 close-ish is not but right hey, before this this episode will come out on on monday so that would be right before the nhl draft oh that, okay that's fair enough fair enough all right so uh so we've kind of mentioned this before we go we're not necessarily the biggest prospect people. Nope. Um, so, but we have found someone who is a big prospect person. Um, so we're going to welcome our newest friend, uh, Neil Villapiano. Mm-hmm. Right. That's correct. Okay. All right. Uh, where are you on? Are you on Twitter, Neil? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter is at T H E N V P S H O W. And, I'm the host of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, which you can find on Twitter at Devil's State. And also on the Hockey Podcast Network, correct? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. Sorry. And what, what, do you, what do you bring to the table here today? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm here to uh, kind of entertain the folk about some of the, some of the more intriguing prospects in the NHL draft this year. Uh, you know, I, I did some research. You know, I have my own opinions on guys, you know, I, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have like really, 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 really specific, like to the point, um, and you know, opinions on these players. I have more of a general one just based off of things that I've seen from highlights and different games that I've actually had a chance to uh, see on TV or, you know, on internet, whatever, you know, people want to watch. So, uh, I think I bring an intriguing, um, you know, description, especially considering my team, the team that I cover, uh, has three first-round picks. So I've been forced by many people to come up with 30 or 40-plus different mock drafts to appease the masses. So I feel pretty calm. I feel I... Uh, Each mock draft is to appease one specific fan right, in particular. Right. I, I appease, uh, I appease all, all people. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. So do you have a mock draft to appease to us where Lafreniere drops to 10? Uh, no. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, hey, you know what? Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't, I mean, it makes, uh, it makes trading line A probably easier than doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> Especially right. for the devils, am I right? <laughs> so when you, when you do your mock drafts, uh, yep. just curious, who do you think is the 
most common player selected by the Jets in your mocks? The most common player that I have is Jack Quinn. The, really? the most common guy. I, I think that Jack Quinn is Jack Quinn's names come up a lot more over the last, I would say, two, three months, because primarily they look at him and they say, you know, there is this Marco Rossi kid that definitely is not is gonna go in the top ten. Uh, and I think that some people say, well, no, actually, because of guys like Alexander Holtz, Lucas Raymond, guys like that, they'll say, oh, they'll look at Rossi's size and they'll, and they'll say, you know, we'll, we'll take, you know, we won't take that guy. But I still think he'll go in the top, top 10, and that leaves out Jack Quinn. I think when you look at a lot of the draft boards, you look at a lot of the other mock drafts out there, Jack Quinn is a guy that goes between 10 and 15. And I think that either the Jets – will just stay put at 10, which I think would be the smartest decision considering they don't have a lot of draft capital. And I don't suspect that they could get a whole lot unless somebody wants to move back up into the top 10. Um, I think that Jack Quinn is going to be the best player available by the time the Jets get there. And I think that he would be, he would be the smart decision, in my opinion. I know there's other guys out there like somebody was mentioning to me Dawson Mercer for some odd reason that like, oh, he should be picked in the top 10, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, but if he played more, you know, if we actually had a legitimate season, you could make that argument, but I don't know. I I think Jack Quinn makes the most amount of sense, and he's a guy that the Jets don't have to have come up to the big leagues right away. Like, they can just have him continue to play in juniors, or they can let him play in the minors. They could just develop him very quickly. It's very similar to, and I'll I'll mention the Devils, uh, when we drafted Ty Smith a few years ago. He wasn't projected to make the team year one. He did end up, you know, going to the last day of cuts, making, you know, and almost made the team in his rookie year, but he ended up getting sent down to the juniors and he played, you know, that year. And then he played this past year in the juniors as well. And he's developed from what we've been told quite nicely. And from what I've seen also. So it could be one of those things where he could be developed into almost like this franchise player that you just don't, you don't expect to be this guy. Like when you look at him, you say, this is going to be our franchise player. It may very well be. It mostly depends on the development staff of the Jets, which I think has done a fantastic job when you look at the talent that the Jets have been able to, to get. I mean, you have Patrick Laine, Mark Scheifele, who was the first ever pick of the, newly, of the new Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you have guys like Blake Wheeler, who has been in the system for a very long time. Uh, Ellers, Hellebuck. I mean, clearly, their developmental team is very, very good from top to bottom. So I think regardless of who you take, you should feel confident that the Jets are going to develop this kid the right way. But Jack Quinn would be a guy that it would make it, it would just make the situation that much better for depth, for a guy that could very well be a top six player within the next two or three years. Jack Quinn is interesting to me just because he's a winger and the Jets have a ton of wingers. (laughs) Like... At least as far as NHL, they don't have a lot of winger prospects. So I guess that would be tempting. Like a lot of their prospects are things that they need. Um, but I think the Jets already have a lot of NHL-ready talents at wing. Yeah, but that's the thing I was going to say, though, is that the first thing that we know is that the Jets don't need a goalie. They have Hellebuck. Obviously. They have the madman that is Mikhail Bergeen. He's like body checking behind players behind the net. Have you seen yeah. clips? Of he is a, yeah, he and is, then he is, um, that, he is a beaut, no doubt. There was the clip from last season where he like came out and kicked a puck and almost kicked a guy in the face. <laughs> I mean, absolute madman. 
Plus, you know, he's our favorite goalie because he played in Jacksonville for a little bit. Duval. Yeah, Jacksonville Iceman legend, Mikhail Verdeen. We got to rename the Iceman. Yeah. Just just bring back the Lizard Kings. Yeah, the Lizard Kings. Perfect. Why is that? Okay, we're getting off topic. Um, (laughs) All right, so... So, I mean, we we know that they're not going to pick uh, Askarov... So we can we can just throw that one off the board immediately. They could they could say that publicly and just try to see if they can get they can convince somebody to move back up into the top ten. That's yeah, another. I just, that was I just don't think anyone would buy it. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, look, it just it's one of those things where the Jets, like I mentioned before, they don't have very much draft capital, so they might decide that by the time they get to their pick, they say, you know what, I don't think there's anybody here that really wows us that we feel comfortable with taking at number ten. So maybe we could try to move it and see if we can get some more draft capital, maybe a later first round pick, you know, and just kind of go from there. That that's always a possibility. They do well, have uh, Carolina and Nashville behind them too. True, and I, but I I think uh, you know if you want to talk Askarov real quick, my projection is that he's going to go to Carolina. I think that the Hurricanes really want to kind of go in a completely different direction with their goaltending situation, and a lot of people have been talking to me about they want to. They want to draft Askarov, but they also want to bring in Freddie Anderson as well and kind of have that as their goaltending tandem going into next year, which, I mean, I think it would be an upgrade for them. Um, but the Jets could just say, oh, we're very high on Askarov and we think that he's going to be, you know, the next great goaltender. We're going to draft him, no doubt, at number 10. And there might be two or three teams that are in maybe the middle of the first round that say, oh, oh crap, you know, we, we better – we better make a move before these guys take them. And then they overspend for, you know, the 10th overall pick and the Jets could be like, okay, now we got a couple more draft selections. Let's see what we can do with them. What, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the, the GM in, in Pittsburgh would pay for Eskarov? Uh, I don't know. They don't have that first round pick anymore. I mean, I don't know. Cause yeah, they don't have their, not this year. And I don't think they have the first round pick either next year. So. Right. Yeah. Um, because of uh, um, the Zucker trade. Yeah, um, can we get can we get a haul for that? That um, I, I mean, unless I mean unless <laughs> uh, unless Jimmy Rutherford wants to uh, get rid yeah. of uh, if he's already done with uh, what is it um, the guy they got from Toronto already, Kasperi Kapanen. If they just want to get rid of him mm. because they love that goalie so much, you know. But it, it, if you want to talk about a team that has nothing to offer for anything, it's definitely the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I mean, you can, saying, you, what does their goalie situation look like? And what does their GM like to do? Well, you're, I mean, shoot, man, they're going to bring back Flurry probably. Knowing how this is going to go, they're well, probably going to bring back Flurry. I, think, I, I think brought that up on our last episode. And I, I <laughs> it's definitely happening. You can't you convince can me that it's not. <laughs> every single report that's out there that's like, oh, well, if Flurry, you know, gets to this point, then obviously the Penguins are going to come in. Rutherford loves them. And it's like, yeah, but then why did you not protect them in the draft in the expansion draft if you love them so much? Well, like I don't know the exact number, but it's something like half of every player, like half of all the players that Jim Rutherford has traded in like the last like five years, he's reacquired anyway. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like he's gonna reacquire Patrick Hornquist in like two years. Yeah, or he's um, get him back. You mean when Hornquist is even less talented than he yes. is now? Hey, you know you gotta. You know, the, the Penguins... I'm not saying he's bad, because I don't think he's a bad player. He's not. He's not, but he won't be the same player. No. Now. Correct. And 
he doesn't want to even be in Florida. But he, he only went there. He only said okay to it because the Panthers wanted him. Ooh. Not because he feels excited to go to Florida. I mean, he doesn't have to pay taxes. So I guess that's, I guess that's a positive. But, I mean, there's one thing I know about the Panthers is that no matter what they do, they will not be an actually competitive team. And I don't care who's on the roster. Well, I mean, when you haven't won a playoff team. series in my lifetime. I mean, I mean, they, they really Yikes. thought that they had a chance to beat the, to beat the Islanders in the playoffs. Oh, that was that. Did you watch any of that? I watched. A I watched bit of every single game. It was pathetic. It was actually. Pathetic. It was. It was. They were on during my lunch break, so I could watch. You know, like ten minutes of the first period, and I was right. like, "Panthers have nothing in this." Right. That's just like they're they're a team that constantly I feel like tries to. I feel like their ownership wants to win. They just really don't know how to do do it at all. No, I really don't think they know what to do. Which I think is like the opposite of a lot of um, Florida professional sports teams, especially the one that's playing later on tonight in the finals. I don't watch the NBA. Uh, the Heat. Most people don't. <laughs> I mean, well, I do, but most people don't. I res- I understand. Well, hey, the uh, the Marlins just moved on too. So and the yeah. the Rays. Moved and the Rays, yeah, playing a few days ago. Lightning. The, uh, um, the Lightning decided to have a uh, no no COVID restriction parade. Okay, uh, listen, listen. I I, I got to respect the Lightning <laughs> parade because look, if there's if you're celebrating a, a championship in Tampa, it's yeah. gonna be a boat parade. Oh, of course. Like that was boat parade was like the only option for them to do in Tampa, particularly Absolutely. after they came out with the, the boys are back in town on the Sea-Doo's. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's just... It's, that, is, that is just the most Tampa way to do it. You knew it was going to happen, but... Um, those are kind of Didn't necessarily need random Floridians drinking out of the Stanley Cup during a pandemic, but... Yeah, that was the best part. That was the best part that we were all yeah. talking about on the HPM. We were like, yeah, that's definitely not... They were like, oh, is that family members? No, that's just like random people. Yeah. That are just like... Um, so I guess the Stanley Cup to them means nothing. If I could get us back on track for a minute, I did have yeah, a question. Okay. While, while we're talking about trading down, mm-hmm. right... You mentioned Jack Quinn. Yep. If the Jets decide we've got a lot of right wingers and somebody um, will will pay us to trade into the top ten to draft Jack Quinn, is that a possibility, or am I playing three D chess when nobody else will play with me? That's um. I, I think you may have to repeat the question because you kind of froze there a little oh, bit. Okay. Oh. Is there a market? If the Jets decide to trade down for yes. uh, someone wants to come up and get Jack Quinn, mm-hmm. who might that who might want Jack Quinn? That's a really good where, question. I guess I guess the question would be where would the Jets? What, what, what would the, that land the Jets? That would land the Jets probably between somewhere, probably between eighteen and twenty, with the Devils having two of those eighteen picks because the Devils have made it public that they really like. Jack Quinn, uh, they feel that he kind of fits into what the Devils are trying to build with regards to having, you know, Jack Hughes, Nico Hishier, guys like that. Um, you know, they're talking about they're trying to fill in bottom six, and we have a couple open spots. Um, I'm not saying the Devils would, you know, want to do that, uh, but to move up back into the top ten because of Jack Quinn would seem like something the Devils would try to do. Um, but it's not going to be one of those situations where – the Devils would desperately just kind of entertain it and say, hey, Winnipeg, here's the 18th pick. We're trying to move back up. 
you know, do you just want the, do you want to just swap one for one and just, you know, do it that way? What else do you want? And the Jets might be like, well, I also want, you know, the 20th pick. And then they might just be like, all right, that, that's not going to happen. And then move on. I think the Flames could do it too. Um, see, the thing is, is that people have been saying to me about with the Flames is that if they're going to move up in the draft with, from where they are at 19, they're going to have to include Sean Monaghan, which I don't understand. I don't like that, that idea. That would be wild. Because here's the thing. It wouldn't just be the 10th pick. It would have to be something else. Like the, like the Flames could not just be like, we gave up the 19th overall pick in Sean Monaghan for, for, you know, the 10th pick. Like there's no way they could do that because then you're basically saying, if you're going to take Jack Quinn, if that's who you're going to end up taking, you're basically saying, Jack Quinn, you are going to have to replace Sean Monaghan in the lineup. You're going to put that much pressure on a kid like that right away? Hmm. You know, with a, with a organization that's pretty much said that they're trying to, you know, move on from this core of players because they feel like that this is as far as they're going to get. You know, I heard that, but I don't think it's possible. But the Flames could definitely throw something out there. They need help. Um, mm. In many regards, they might try to trade up and try to take Jake Sanderson if he's there at number 10. That was going to be they the name that I was thinking help. of. Yeah, you know, they need defensive help. They might move up to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would be my guess. I don't see – because I actually don't think there is going to be that much movement in the draft. People are saying there's going to be a lot of different teams moving in and out of, you know, the first round. I don't think it's going to be like that, considering the uncertainty with, with money, with you know, COVID-19 situation. I just don't see it. I think a lot of teams are just going to be okay with taking whoever's the best player available when he's there. Um, I'm thinking that you might see it towards the back half. Um, like you know, with, 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 yeah, because you'll have teams that are trying to get rid of money. And right. you might see some of these teams, like, I don't know, the Senators or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Be like, well, uh, the Senators probably isn't a good example because they have, like, three firsts already. Yeah, but you could, you, could see, well, you could yeah. see a struggling team be mm-hmm. like, well, sure, I'll take on that really awful contract, but you're going to need to give me your first-round pick this year. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. It, it could be you, – you, you make a very good point with the fact that it could be a lot of those moves you'll see will be just cap dumps for a lot of teams. They may just be like, well, we have to give up this pick in order to move this guy. You know, I know um, I know Vancouver really wants to move Louis Erickson's contract. Um, and Louis Erickson's agent said, yeah, um, just give us the green light to figure out where we want to go. Well, right. And but, I mean, like, have you like, seen Louis Erickson's contract? <laughs> it's awful. No, it is. Yeah, it it's... Is. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind is that there are a lot of teams that have made it publicly clear we're not a dumping zone. Like, we're not just going to – we're not just – even if we have cap space, we're not just going to be like, yeah, we'll take on his contract. No problem. They might be like, no, like we're not doing that. So it could go either way. And especially because basically this draft is going to be virtual, not in person. That might make things even more of a, I don't know. It might make it a little bit more difficult because also again, with all these players, they haven't been playing in a long time because of COVID-19. So there isn't much evaluation that has been made by teams. They can look at what they have been able to do in a short period of time. There was no combine. Uh, they did, you know, Zoom interviews. Um, but sometimes it's better, you know, if you're physically, you know, with the person to kind of see, you know, their whole makeup, their, you know, their mannerisms and things like that. It's easier to tell those things. But, you know, this might be one of those really, you know, basic first rounds where not a lot of movement happens. 
It's just, you know, pick after pick after pick after mm-hmm. pick, not much trading. But, you know, then again, I have heard teams are very serious about shopping certain picks. Uh, Montreal said they're willing to move up, you know, move the 16th pick, I think that, I think 16. Um, you know, their pick, uh, the Devils made it up, open that they could trade, you know, the 18th or 20th pick for help right away. You know, it all just depends on what exactly is the situation when we get to it because you have to also remember that it's, it's obvious that Lafreniere is going number one. I don't think there's any question about that. It's after number one that the questions start to come in. Like, you, we don't really know. Do we know definitively who's going to be number two in the draft? Do we think no. Stetzel is going to be drafted number two overall? Maybe. Maybe he drops the five. Who knows? It all just depends on what the team, the teams who are drafting feel is the best fit for them. So, you know, this could be a draft that really a lot of teams are just going to sit around and say, wait and see. Let's see how this develops before we make any moves. All right, um, so we're going to take a short break here. Uh, when we come back, how about we talk about like specific prospects that we feel sure. that could end up with the Jets? All right, yeah. sounds good. Since 1999, CoolHockey.com has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL hockey jerseys in North America. They ensure every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specifications of the NHLPA. Since they don't outsource jerseys for customization like their competitors, they're able to offer the best quality, pricing, and delivery time on all of their products. If you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets, they have what you need to support your team. If you take our word for it, then go to www.coolhockey.com THPN and use our promo code THPN for 30% off. All right, and we're back here uh, talking draft and, and prospects and who the Jets can end up with. Um, so Neil, I sent you, I told you about a few of the guys that I was thinking that, uh, Winnipeg could end up with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that maybe the first guy I want to talk about, we we already talked about Jack Quinn a bit. Uh, how do you feel about Anton Lundell? Well, first of all, I actually have him as one of the guys that the devils could select with the 18th pick because he could be a guy that could drop considering the fact that. With, with, with Lindell, it's one of those things where he doesn't have a, a good enough, not a good enough, but like a long enough track record to say, you know, where do we project this guy to be within the next two or three years? The thing that, that excites me the most about him is simply this. I like doing this, especially because I, I started talking about it with Capo Caco last year. He's playing in a league with people older than him, and they're going to be physical, and they're going to test them, and they're going to, you know, give him – a taste of what the NHL can be like. Because there's, you know, in these other leagues in Europe, these professional leagues, there are players that have probably played at some point or another in the NHL and understand it. And they're going to play that way. So for a guy like Lindell, he has the opportunity to, he's already had the ability, the opportunity to learn, you know, to have to be more physical and understand, you know, how to take the punishment of the National Hockey League. Um, He could be a guy that, there's a there's definitely there's definitely a possibility he's there at number ten. I don't think that if the Jets wanted to, you know, not draft Jack Quinn, you know, or if we have some craziness in the first nine picks where certain guys we didn't think was going to get drafted in the top fifteen get draft, you know, get drafted, you know, he could be a guy that the Jets could be like, why don't we trade back a few picks, maybe to fourteen or fifteen if we can, and then take him because then we could get some draft capital and we could still get the guy that we want. It could be one of those moves. 
because I see it happen all the time. And this was something that I found very interesting. Um, and I actually found it from, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the score, uh, the website, uh, the sports website. Yeah. Um, this was something that was really interesting about Lindell from one scout. He said, Florida should, you know, they, they projected him to go 12th to Florida. That's what some people are saying. So he's somebody that, that could, you know, be in the top 15. Um, I think he might go a little bit later. I think 16, 17, 18. That's why I kind of went with the doubles. But when they said, you know, he's good in the face-off circle, he can kill penalties, and he's already in a leadership role with HIFK as an alternate captain, despite being a teenager. He's 19 years of age. So the fact that he's already been given a leadership, you know, responsibility, and he's not even 21 yet, shows you that this kid is mature beyond his age. So this is a guy that could come into the NHL immediately and is not faced by anything and can, you know, not only learn, but also be an influence to some of the younger players that you guys have on the Jets, like even someone like Patrick Lining, since he's only 22 years of age. Um, I think this is somebody that can definitely handle the NHL spotlight and playing for a team like Winnipeg and playing in Canada, obviously the expectation and the pressure is a lot more than playing in a lot of the other NHL cities, particularly in the United States. So I think that Lindell could be a guy that is, is a guy that could definitely go hit or miss when it comes to making the NHL immediately, but he's certainly somebody that, you know, filling in that center role and adding more depth to the center position would be a smart pick. So that would be more of a, that would be more of a smart pick if the Jets took him. They would be like, okay, that's a positional need pick that they took. And I think that would make sense. So two things on Lindell. First, I think he really fits what the Jets need. Mm-hmm. Good two-way centers. They need all kinds of centers, um, but particularly centers that aren't just pure scorers or playmakers. He can do both the offense and the defensive side of the, the game. So that's a good need for them to fill. Mm-hmm. And the second, uh, this team does like to draft out of Finland. <laughs> I mean, line A. Yep. Um, is one of our top prospects. Is I believe Veselainen is another top prospect who's Finnish. I think um, Veselainen sounds like a Finnish name, so I'm going to say he is. Um, Sammy Miku. <laughs> yep. Just I, I I think there's a you know this this GM likes his his Finnish or at least his European players. If you want to mm-hmm. throw in, um, oh geez, now I'm. Lincoln. Oh, Ellers is Danish, you know. Yep. Um, we can go yep. on and on and on. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, the thing that's interesting is that in 44 games last year, he put up 28 points, which doesn't, which you look at it, it doesn't wow you. Obviously, he's not a wow prospect. He's a guy that just plays an intelligent game. He's really good at faceoffs. He plays good both offensively and defensively, especially defensively. You can consider him to be a two way forward. And considering the fact that you have some forwards, no disrespect, that don't really like to play defense at all. No, we, we've noticed this several times on the podcast. <laughs> um, he could be a guy that can fill in as that type of two-way forward that you need to kind of help out as a little bit of an extra defender. But the best thing that he does well, and I saw this a lot, is that he's, he's constantly put out there during penalty kill situations because he's that good on faceoffs. He really is. So he would be a guy – that could be a player that could be on your bottom six, but be on your top penalty kill unit. That's really good at just, you know, distributing the puck, 
winning face-offs, you know, just creating traffic in front of the net, even though he's not, you know, the biggest player in the, in the draft, he can still be a force. And he could also be part of your, your power play is simply, you know, like I said, winning face-offs, getting in front of the net, and being a pest. So I think that would be – this would be a pick that's more of a positional slash team-style need. So I think that would be okay. probably – out of all the guys that we'll probably talk about, Lindell would be the guy that I would say would be the best logical pick the Jets could make at number 10. Or if they decided to try to make a trade to somehow move up back into the top 15 later on. Yeah, so uh, one of the guys I follow on Twitter, his name is uh, Byron Bader. He does a lot of um, like modeling stuff with prospects. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he did bring up with Lindell is that, first of all, Lindell is kind of old. Um, for a draft, for like a draft year guy. Right. He was 19. Um, 19. Right. I mean, considering so, so, some of these, yes. Are 17 or yeah. 17 years of age, yeah. he's considered to be a older prospect, a guy that like would either be in your, either be on the team immediately or be in your minor leagues. Like, yeah. So like, and while that's fine, like you might know, you might feel more comfortable with their development route. Yep. You might also not have that, uh, really high ceiling or you might not have as high of a ceiling as someone you take with similar production at like 17, almost 18. Mm-hmm. And I guess technically like some of these guys are going to be a little older at the time of being drafted because, you know, we're, we're drafting later in the year. Some of these guys that you were going to pick at, mm-hmm. you know, in, in June, it's a little easier right. to look at and say like, oh, okay, he's 18. Right. right. But now yeah. you're picking a 19 year old. You're like, wait, what? You picked a 19 year old at, at the 10th overall pick. Yeah. Um, so that was the one thing right no and, and I and I totally get you know when you brought up his name I was like yeah that kind of makes sense considering the fact that you know he's a kid that he's not even really technically if you want you can't even really say he's a kid you know he's kind of like the older type of player that you take that you say he's a guy that can definitely compete for a spot on our team right away uh, once you get to the top you know once you get past the top 10 and then you go on from there, a lot of teams tend to like to try to find guys that could fit in almost immediately, you know, be guys that could fill in some of those roles that you don't have already filled, you know, whether, you know, unless you want to fill those holes with free agency or making trades. Lindell would be, would be a guy that would immediately be invited to Jets camp and would be given a legitimate shot to be probably the, the third line centerman just for now, you know, early on in his career, let him, get favorable matchups in the NHL, let him continue to show the success that he can, he can and develop him the same way you've been developing all these other talented forwards that you have. Yeah. So uh, the next name that I was thinking about was, I mean, I don't know if I told you this name, but uh, Jake Sanderson, we'll uh, talk about him a little bit. The, mis- the mystery, the mystery man. This is the guy that everybody and their mother loves talking about. They love this. Game. I'm not super high on him because I just don't think that he has the uh, offensive ceiling to be, you know, a, a big standout NHL defenseman. That'd be my worry is that he's a little bit of a reach at 10. Um, and also with Sandberg and Hanela in the system and the fact that you spent a first rounder on another defenseman only a few years ago with uh, Logan Stanley. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not really a, a fan of taking Sanderson. Do you, do you, do you want to, Connor, do you want to say anything before I go or should I just? No, I, I think, you know, 
Sanderson, it makes sense from the standpoint that they need defensemen and they need defensemen with a high ceiling. Um, and I would agree that his offensive numbers don't look great, but I would, you know, they've got, they do have defensive prospects. I don't know how many of those prospects are necessarily got a high ceiling to them. So that would be when and how why I'd be open to something like Jake Sanderson, particularly since, um, you know, they've got defensemen who can move the puck or score and be that offensive uh, defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at Hanela or they've got Neil Pionk who kind of fills right. that role on the, on the roster right now. So I would be open to Sanderson. I'm, I'm not, I don't think this is necessarily the wrong pick, but I understand Brennan's concerns, particularly since he's listed as a left-sided defenseman or left-handed mm-hmm. defenseman. And they, their other defensive prospects are also on the left side. Um, so I don't know if that's, there may, maybe there are some other defensemen prospects that have a, a better fit. Um, yeah. But, just from the draft po- profile that I'm looking at, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be open to it, but I understand Brennan's concerned. No, I think that's a fair thing because Jake Sanderson is from the U.S. National Development Team, and a lot of people are very, at times can be critical of the U.S. National Development Team because, it's again, it's very similar to playing in junior hockey and that, you know, there's – there isn't the development that you need. I understand that. Um, and Jake Sanderson is arguably the second best defenseman in the draft. And he's going to be that defenseman that everybody is going to be afraid to take. Primarily because of what you just said. His offensive numbers are not that good. You sit there and say, what makes him so, what makes him so interesting? What makes him, you know, I guess if you want to say special is that. Sounds I think like his skating has, is a specialty. Or his positioning. Right. And I think the other thing is that he's the guy that developed correctly, can become a first defensive pairing type of defenseman. But again, it just comes from developing. It's not somebody that you could say, plug him in on the first pairing right away and let him go. No, you need to bring him along very much. Um, You know, Brandon, you were talking about the fact that you you said you didn't see him in the top 10, at least it's, it's top 10 pick, correct? I mean, I don't know about that, but I mean, I mean, I guess I am saying that because it's kind of a reach right. at ten. But no, uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not criticizing. I was just asking for. I'm just for, always a little bullish on um, defensive prospects who don't have right. a great offensive side of the game because it seems like to me, mm-hmm. when it comes to defensemen, like that's like the surefire like thing. That's like, all right, feel like that's not going to like he's not going to work out. Like right. I feel like every year you can look at a bunch of defensemen that are taken the first, like early yep. and they just don't have like that, you know, maybe on draft day, they're raving about this guy who's going to be the next great defensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of peters out in, in juniors and the AHL never really cracks the NHL lineup. Right. right. Look, first of all, we all know this for a fact that this is a very, um, I wouldn't say poor, but it's a very low defensive draft class. There is no real defensemen that are like surefire guys. And the other thing is that a lot of the great defensemen that we see in the NHL now were not even, you know, first-round picks or not even – that were project or even were projected to be very good. You know, Victor Hedman, who's considered to be one of the top three best defensemen in the National Hockey League now, you know, he, he had pretty decent expectations but not crazy expectations. Did they think he would become the player that he is now? I almost guarantee you every single person – 
who's talked about him or talked about him at that time did not think that. I'm, I'm putting money on that. So defensemen are like running backs in the NFL where it's a dime a dozen, like elite defensemen, like guys that are going to be the top of your defense for 15, 20 years, in my opinion. And you could find really good defensemen later on in the draft. Jake Sanderson would be a guy that, at least if he's there at number 10 for the Jets, best player available. That's the way I look at it. If he's there at number 10, the Jets may just go best player available. And they could also be like, well, he does fill a need because he is a defenseman and we need help. But is he a guy that you're immediately going to plug in to play, you know, to play in the NHL right away? It could go either way. You may give him an opportunity in training camp to see what he can do and how he meshes with, with the team because I don't know if they're going to do development camp this year. I don't think. They may try it, but I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is just a – I have them going eight to the uh, Sabres um, because I think that the Sabres need the defensive – you know, the young defensemen a little bit more than I think the Jets do. You know, everybody wants to talk about the Jets – Oh, they need defense, they need defense. But, like, they do have some young prospects that could be given an opportunity to play. So it's not like they're – I understand, like, people want to talk about having NHL-ready defensemen, right? you know, like right now. But, you know, you may want to just take a year to just be like, all right, let's give these guys another year to develop, and then, you know, we'll plug in these guys. We don't have to take a defenseman. That's why, you know, Lindell makes a lot more sense because – it's not technically 100% a positional need, but it's certainly in a, a pick that would do well with creating more depth in your forward group. Um, but Jake Sanderson wouldn't be that bad of a pick, but he would probably be the second option, in my opinion, at number 10. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go through with you my dream scenario here is that... Trade down and take Lundell. Well... Trading down is always the, a great option, that's, especially because the Jets only have four picks. Move if they could do that. But my other dream scenario is, is that if the Jets stay at 10, mm-hmm. someone in front of them reaches for a goalie, Marco Rossi falls to them at 10. Marco Rossi, who will be, who will be the highest Austrian-born player taken in the NHL draft. To keep in mind uh, that whoever takes him, well, I mean, yeah, whoever takes him – because he's going to get taken in the first round. There is no question. Um, whoever takes it will, will make history right away. But let's talk about Marco Rossi real quick because, holy crap, I love this kid. Now, you guys are going to be disappointed because I have him being taken seventh overall by the Devils. I think that he's – I mean, there's a good chance he'll be there, first of all. Here's the thing. People want to crap – the first thing they crap on is, is his height. He's 5'9", which is not great by any means, but who cares? How tall is Braden Point? Well, I'm glad – you know what, Connor? I'm glad you brought that up because you know who you know who Rossi's favorite player in the NHL is right now? Is it Braden Point? Braden Point, exactly. He, I was on the Braden Point train very early on. Just wanted to point that out. It's did the not Jets on this also podcast, pass up on, on Braden yeah. Point? Well, Connor, you're not too far off 5'9", so I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm about that size. I'm not but that heavy, but – The thing that – jumps out at you about Marco Rossi is in 56 games, he put up 120 points. That is incredible. I mean, that right then and there, you say, what is the knock on this kid? And the only knock, because this is how this crap goes every year with draft, with draft analysts, is that he's 5'9". So what? It doesn't matter. 
because here's the thing that makes Marco Rossi more intriguing than any other prospect in this draft. Marco Rossi is not afraid to go into the dirty areas and go get the puck. He's, There's the cliche we've been waiting for. He's not a flashy player. He, he's not a flashy player. He's a grinded out player. And people say, well, how is he not flashy when he puts up 120 points? It's because he worked and grinded to get every single one of those points that he had. And if you ask any of his teammates on the Ottawa 67s, they will tell you that this is the most hardworking kid you will ever see. This kid used to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to travel with his dad an hour and change to cross the Austrian border to go play for a team in Sweden. Okay, This kid wanted to play hockey from the time he was very little. He works hard every single day. He doesn't take a day off. He constantly wants to make himself play better. This is a kid that you build your damn team around. I mean, if you want to build a, a culture of guys that work hard and constantly perfect their craft, Marco Rossi is that type of kid, and he is faster than any player in this draft. I think he's faster than Alex Lafreniere. Everybody says, oh, Lafreniere is the fastest player in this draft. No, I think Marco Rossi is. I think Rossi is faster. I think he has more stick-handling ability. To me, Marco Rossi, if I want to kind of give a comparison, he is a better, ver- he is a better version of Martin St. Louis, who, cool. by the way, is going to be Whoa. a favorite if he's not already there. That's the way I look at Marco Rossi. Whoa. I mean, you you talk about Rossi. I mean, like, 120 points in 56 games. Like, that's stuff you might see, like, an overage guy do. Granted, again, Rossi's a little bit on the older side. He's already 19. He's 19. But, I mean, like, those are usually the points you see from guys that are, like, 20. You know, like, really at the end of their junior careers. Guys that have no business playing in juniors anymore. Right. They've already passed that point they're ready to move on to the next point do you know who else is five nine who else is five nine johnny gaudreau there you go so uh just, we're gonna start I'm just, calling. I'm just saying so we got johnny hockey and then we'll get ross rossi hockey that's what we're gonna get um, okay we'll, we'll we'll workshop that one did right. you um did you ever read scott wheeler's piece on when he um hung out with um marco rossi's belay family no i, I didn't it's a it's really good. It's it's a little old now, but I mean, it's from like a year or so ago. But like, it's it's really good stuff. Right, right. Um, you know, but I love Marco Rossi. There is there is like he's one of those players where you really got to sit there and wonder to yourself, other than height, what exactly is the problem? And there's nothing. And that's the issue. That's the thing. And people are going to be nervous once we get past the first overall pick, because the Rangers in the top ten have the easiest pick. Because they already, I mean, it's easy who they're going to take. But after that, it's like, where's this going to go? And that's why a lot of teams are going to stop and wait. If Marco Rossi is there at number 10, the Jets would be dumb not to take him. The Jets would be dumb not to take him. If they, and if they say the same thing everyone else is saying, oh, it's his height. If I'm Shovel Day off, I'd say, bullshit on that. I'm drafting this kid. 120 yeah. points in 56 games. Are you kidding me? We're really going to knock this kid because he's 5'9"? I'm sorry. Wasn't Martin St. Louis like six foot? Wasn't, he wasn't that tall from what I remember. Well, I mean, plus, remember that time that we let Alex Dabrinkit go to the Blackhawks because he was too short? That's Good my times. point. You know, height doesn't – height means nothing to me, at least. In I mean, hockey in particular. When you have the skill that Rossi has, I don't think it's going to matter. But Exactly, exactly. Um, 
Do I think Rossi will be there at 10? I would be shocked. I would be shocked because then, you know, look, you have the Devils. The Devils are probably the first team that people would say would probably take Rossi because you still have guys like Lucas Raymond and Holtz and Sanderson that could very well go before Rossi, primarily, again, because of the stupid height debate. And it's not even really a debate. It's just like, oh, we don't like him because he's short. They said that about Doug Flutie, and Doug Flutie was awesome for like 20-plus years playing professional football. So, you know, height means nothing. Which which is the worst take, um, that Rossi's too short or that uh, the Kings at two should take uh, Stutzel over Byfield? Which do I think is a worst take? Which do you think is a worst take? The Marco Rossi one. I would say that um, because look, you know what? I think I don't look. First of all, I think that Byfield's going two. That's where I have him. I have him going two. I, I think Byfield going anywhere other than two is just like some insane galaxy brain shit. Well, what's annoying to me is that there's this whole thing with um, it's kind of like a touchy subject, but it's like oh, they're saying because it's you know because it's a race thing and it's not. You know, I heard that stupid debate on social media that people were saying, oh, the Kings wouldn't take him because of that reason. And it's like, if it's, if it's really that reason, then whoever's in charge of the Kings should be fired immediately. Yeah, especially because like, they're, I mean, they're in California. I mean, they're in California, which is going to be, which is totally fine. I think that Stetzel's going three. I think that Senators would be stupid not to take him um, because Stetzel is going to be uh, one of the best German hockey players we've seen in quite some time. Uh, but the German hockey player just won the Hart Trophy. There you go. Yeah, I but mean, he, he shouldn't he, have. But anyway. You know, <laughs> well, I think I think Braden Point personally should have won it. That's me. The Hart. The no, not the Hart Trophy. I was, I'm thinking of Con Smite for some stupid reason. Um, but I mean, you know, do you, well, Brandon, Who do you think should have won the Hart? I, I was big on Team Hellbuck for the Hart, but I'm just. They, when was I, the last one they gave the heart to a goal? Carey Price. Carey Price. 2014-15. Yeah, of course they did. I, Hellbuck dragged that team single-handed. I, I, yeah. Well, this year in particular, we, and yeah. I was talking about this with a couple people, like, like Hellbuck's going to die before the Jets give him, give him any help. That's basically what I just tweeted when I saw that they uh, re-signed Brossois. I'm like, I, I get it. The contract's really nice. It's cheap and all. But you played Brossois for like 12 games last year. Yeah. <laughs> like going, going back to Rossi. Hey, we get a full season. That's 13 games, Brendan. Oh, there you go. There you go. But going back to Rossi, he would be that dream scenario, I guess, because that's what you were kind of talking about, Brendan. It's like that dream scenario where he's there at 10. But I don't think he's getting past seven i don't think so either but you know there are a lot of shitty teams with shitty front offices in front of them that could be like yeah he's five nine yeah we're right, gonna pass on, on that right. yeah. and you know what it's also it also is 2020 and literally anything can happen so your guess is as good as mine yeah i mean i was looking at pronman's latest uh mock draft and he had rossi at eight yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's in that territory. He had the Devils taking like Holtz at seven. Uh, Raymond at seven. Big Raymond. Yeah, but that's the only... big that's the big debate with us because it's like, do we take Holtz? Do we take Raymond? Do we take Rossi? And it's like, but he also had Stutzel at two and Sanderson at five. So I don't. Know. Sanderson at five. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That 
that's that's a reach. Yeah, that's, that's a reach and a half for for a defenseman. That's a reach this year. Yeah, yeah. Without well, again, we mentioned it. This this draft class with defensemen is not that good. After the first like three guys, that's it. I mean, it's like after that, it's like what are you? What are we going for here? So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But Marco Rossi, if the Jets are there at ten and Marco Rossi's there, you take him, no questions asked, because he fills a need and he's a he's a you know getting hundred and fifty plus points. So you know that I'm sure that would work for you guys. All right, I think the last one I want to bring up here is. Alexander Holtz, because I've seen him mock to the Jets a few times. And I don't really know that much mm-hmm. about him, but everything I read about him is he's this Euro with a, who's basically a sniper. He is. So I'm just saying, if you move line A, <laughs> mm-hmm. not saying that Holtz is line A, because remember, are you, line, a, uh, line are A was the definitive on, number two. Are you I'm jumping just on saying, the line A getting traded bandwagon? I'm just saying that if you know you're going to trade line A, Holtz would be a decent option. I 100% agree with you. I think that if you – well, first of all, you wouldn't draft Holtz unless you already moved line A. Because as, as Connor brought up before when I was talking about Jack Quinn, they have a lot of right-wingers. Um, that would be a move where it would be – I think if the Jets – I think if the Jets took him before any trade happened – then the trade rumors would start flying all, flying off the hook. I'm telling you that right now. Trade rumors have already flown off the hook. Well, it would be worse because it'd be the draft, and then we'd be waiting every two well, seconds yes. for something to happen. That's the way I, you know. So that's that's the thing I would look at. But Alexander Holtz, this is the thing. This is the thing that excites people. Big body has goes for the goal, like you mentioned before, is a sniper and a half. He plays in a professional league. I mean, this, this kid has the makings to be a guy that could be a NHL star if he's developed correctly. Because, again, he's not one of those guys that it doesn't matter who he's playing with, he's going to automatically be great. You know, he's not, he might not be a Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine type player. Um, but if he's developed correctly and he's given the tools to succeed, he's going to be a star in the making. So if you were to move Laine, which I'm also not saying yeah. is going to happen, but you never know. Yeah. But if you do move line A, um, he would be a really, really smart move to, uh, to get. Um, does that mean that you trade up to get him? I would say he no. He would be the big-name player that I think could be there at 10. He could be the big-name player at number 10. He actually could be there. That's my thing with the Jets in general is I think you – first of all, you don't have any assets to move up. <laughs> Um, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll just move line a for the, for, uh, the number one pick or number two or number three. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Be easy. Yeah. We'll just be like, all right. Uh, all right. Kings, you can get line a, we'll take and by a field seventh, off your hands. It'll be, it'll be good. And a seventh, seventh round pick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that magical second, seventh round pick. No, the thing that has the most value on, uh, armchair GMs is, are the second round picks, right? Cause I don't want to give my first, but that second rounder, Ooh. lots of value. Yeah. That gets, you know, that get that gets me going, man. When someone says I'm giving you a second round pick, I'm jumping off my seat. I'm I, Brennan, 
I thought you were going to bring up Anthony Sorelli again. <laughs> oh my god. There was one we we were doing armchair GMs over the summer. Okay. Um and there was one day we were doing it and like every single one of them had uh the Jets going after uh Anthony Sorelli, whether it was trading for his RFA rights or offer sheeting. Him. That didn't happen. It was just like every single one that I clicked on was just Anthony Sorelli. Anthony I guess uh I guess my question to you guys is that how how tiring has it been to constantly go on your phone on Twitter knowing that Patrick Money is being mentioned every two seconds? Yeah, like that's my thing. I'm like I'm just at the point where it's like You get tired. Just get- just let me know when he's traded. Right. I don't really feel like dealing with the rumors because I feel like either way it's going to be a shit show. Right. Just I'm more annoyed by. Oh, sorry. I'm just saying, just let me know. Just let me know when he's traded. I don't really yeah. want to hear any of the rumors. Just let me know when he's been traded. I'm more annoyed by the trading Ellers rumors because I just think that's the really? worst idea idea for the Jets in the world. See, I saw the latest. That's I, think the thing. The, I don't get why is he being brought up in rumors? Because, oh, because he's got like a good A-winger, contract. And if you're not going to trade Line A, he's the other one that can bring in a return. And he's got, he does have a very movable contract. But being a movable contract means it's also a very team-friendly contract. So Which means the value he's got is a team-friendly insurance. contract and brings in value, why are you trading that? Right, exactly. No, I mean, it's like... If you if you if you're promoting him this much to say oh he has this he has this it's like then why are you trading him? Like it's it's a good point. With Liney it makes sense because again it's like the Jets have pretty much said without really saying it they can't afford him anymore or they won't be able to afford him after this next season. I don't know if it's that they won't be able to if it's that if they do re-sign him they won't be able to upgrade the parts they need upgrading. The rest of the team, basically. yeah. Yeah, so they can't and afford him. Right, they can't afford him. But it's a matter of do they re-sign him at the cost of not being able to sign a defenseman in free agency or trading for a center or whatever it is. One of one of God's great questions. It's one of God's great questions. It's one of those things where it's like we talked about it before, and I'll say it again: the Jets, no matter who they trade, if they do trade line A, no matter who they trade him to, they're not going to get the value for. Him. They're just not going to because teams are nervous to trade for anything right now because of the financial implications. You know, they keep talking about the Hurricanes and the Columbus Blue Jackets as being the two, you know, main teams that really want to talk about and try to trade for line A. Would either team be comfortable giving up the assets that they already have for a guy that they may not be able to fully convince to stay long-term. Because if you're trading for Line, you're also signing him immediately. Because I compared it to, if you guys remember, when the Islanders traded for John Gabriel Pajot at the deadline, what did they do immediately after they traded for him? Signed him to a six-year deal. They immediately convinced him to sign a long-term deal. You would have to do the same thing regardless of what team you are. Whatever team gets him, you have to make that move immediately. You can't, you can't go, all right, we'll trade for him, and then we'll, we'll see how the year plays out, and then we'll go to RFA or whatever, or whatever they want. No, you sign him immediately. And there aren't that many teams out there right now that have cap space, good assets, and good assets, basically. 
um, they brought up, you know, people have brought up to me like, oh, you know, the, the Devils are, are one of the teams that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense from the standpoint of the Devils could use a player like Line A and they could afford the massive contract he's asking for. I think it's $9 million average annual value that he's looking for. But do the Jets want anything that we have except with the exceptions of Nico Kishir and Jack Hughes? You know, I don't know. And also, I would like to point out that not every good player has to go to the Metro. Thank you. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I'm not the one that makes that makes those decisions, but you know, they. What's annoying for me, um, you know, and I'm sure it can be said for everybody when talking, when covering the team, whatever team it is for the hockey podcast network, is when the constant rumors for your team keep coming in every day, and you keep getting almost not a false hope but you build this expectation that something big's going to happen and then it doesn't happen. And then you're massively disappointed. And then you're super negative about your team when you shouldn't be at all because just because a team didn't make a big move that you were, that people were expecting the team to make doesn't mean that they didn't try. Doesn't mean that they weren't actually trying to make a move. I've said it before on the double state of mind podcast, the devil's, could have been asking about certain players, certain big name players for the last several months and nothing got, nothing got done. And there were no rumors about it. You know, that's the way I look at it. So I think the bottom line with everything, even speaking to Jets fans about line A is this, don't believe, don't believe really anything until something like, you know, like Brendan mentioned, don't believe anything until it's actually official that he actually got traded. I would just, as far as you know, he's still a Winnipeg Jet, and that's where it is right now. All right, so we've been going on for almost an hour, so let's, I'm going to try to wrap things up here. But no I was going to say that I feel like this episode is that basically the Jets' best move is because, again, they can't trade up because they don't have any assets unless it's line A or whatever winger they want to move. The best move for them is to either trade back, which is always a pretty good option, or just stay pat and just let the best forward fall to you. Regardless of if it's a center or a winger, clearly the Jets farm system needs another forward. Yep. Likely anyway, like the best player available will be a forward anyway. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just up to their evaluations of, okay, who is the best forward at that spot yeah. out of all the guys that are left. I think you could do a combination of both where it's like you wait and you see what happens to the first eight picks. I would go the first eight and then make my evaluation from there and say, who do we think will be the best player available at number 10? And if we like the kid, then we'll go from there. If not, let's try to make a move to move back and say, Hey, we're trying to move the 10th pick. What do you guys want? And then just take the best offer there. I think that's probably how the jets are going to handle this situation. And I would, the last thing I would bring up is that no matter who the Jets pick, it doesn't matter if you don't have the staff around to develop them into something or if you don't have a plan to develop them. And I think the Jets have shown over the years that they can develop talent from within. They're more than I capable of doing it. They're, they're great. I mean, that to me is the most important thing here is you've got no matter who you're picking at 10, you've got somebody with a lot of potential. And as long as you surround them with um, the right staff or the right plan to develop mm-hmm. them, I think you, 
will end up with a very good player. Most of the time, not necessarily every time, right? But most of the time, that's the position they find themselves in here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You nailed it on the head. I I said it before. The Jets have a tremendous development staff, and I think Jets fans should feel excited no matter who they take, because they should look at it and say, "We're doing a really good job with developing our players. Look at the amount of talent that we have is homegrown. There's nothing saying that this kid, if he has good enough potential, that he can't be another great player that we develop. So let's do it. And then they go and do it. So whether it's Jake Sanderson, whether it's getting Marco Rossi, whether it's, you know, Jack Quinn or whoever, I think the Jets fans should feel excited no matter what. All righty. Uh, Neil, where can people find you? Sure. Well, you can find me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W. And you can follow the Devil State of Mind podcast on Twitter at Devil State, on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And we also have a Facebook page, Devil State of Mind. We're all there. You can stay up to date with the new episodes that we post every single Monday like this one. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear me talk more about the New Jersey Devils, hockey things in general, uh, check us out, Devil's State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Yeah, so uh, thank you, Neil, for joining us. Um, always a, a pleasure talking to other people here at the network. Absolutely. And uh, Connor, do you have something? I have one last thing. <sighs> Brennan, do you know what he does that we don't? What does he do? He watches the game. Uh, and we don't because yes. we're nerds. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> you can find our podcast uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Gripper60Pod. You can find me on Twitter at BFarrell727. You can find Connor on Twitter at TC underscore 904. And don't forget to check out and follow all of our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, thank you for listening and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.